Last week we looked at He came for us. This week we're looking He came to us. So the goal of my message this afternoon is to really just achieve one thing, is to highlight or to reinforce to you how much the Father loves you. Amen? So let's have a small recap from a couple of weeks ago, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 and 19. We know that when Jesus came, that he didn't just stop at forgiveness in our lives. He brought us into full relationship. He brought us home. His life, his death, his resurrection acquitted us of our treason and paid the price for our sins in full. And then his great compassion helped us step off the judgment seat of Christ and invited us into being his children. We read in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19, all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. So this sermon this afternoon is essentially a love sermon for each of us. So I want to start with a question for you this afternoon. How much joy do you currently have in your walk with Christ? Because many of us think that Jesus is the buffer, he's the um, point of contact, if you like, between us and our walk with God. And we sometimes might even think that maybe it's him that is shielding the Father's wrath from us. And yet we know that it was the Father who sent Jesus into the world for us. Much of the joy that you have in your life depends on how you see God. Many of us here struggle to accept the fact that somebody just wants to love us. Has anyone here this afternoon ever been in that scenario? That they don't want anything from you, they just want to love you. We always think that there's something attached to love, that I have to do something, I have to perform at something, I have to achieve something before I will find that love that I'm looking for. We base it on what we read, our bad experiences, assumptions, challenges in life, maybe disappointments that we've gone through. We believe that we will never measure up. Maybe we feel that God is even angry with us. Try as we might because we cannot stop sinning. We think essentially that love is conditional. So my first question for you this afternoon is, how much joy do you have in your life? You should write that down. That should be a percentage, one to a hundred. How much joy do you have in your life, in your walk with Jesus? Because in your walk with Christ, he's wanting to build that love relationship. He's wanting to build a relationship of intimacy, a relationship of trust, a relationship of mutual understanding where you grow in your journey with Christ. So we've got four areas that I want us to look at this afternoon. Number one, we need to understand that we are a beloved child of God. If you are a beloved child of God, then you have God's perfect love. You are not a stranger to God. You're not an orphan, even though you may sometimes feel alone. The Bible's very clear. Emmanuel, God with us. The Heavenly Father sees you and loves you as one of his children. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 17 and 18. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters. How about 1 John 3, verse 1? And how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Key part. And that is what we are. Your primary identity this afternoon, friends, 
is that you are a child of God. Some of us need to come back to that point in our relationship with him. No matter how old you are, no matter how distant you feel you are from your walk with Christ, you are a child of God. That is where your identity is rooted in. But the privileges don't stop there. Since we've been adopted into the family of God, we have the same rights as Jesus. Romans 8 verse 17. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Number two, loving God and being loved by God. No account of Christian spirituality is complete if it fails to give a central place to love. We know the great phrase, God is love. He has poured out his love through the Holy Spirit into each and every one of our lives. Romans 5 verse 5. The ordering of God's commandments in the summary of the law is important. Love begins with God. Our transformation in growing in our relationship with Christ begins by not loving ourselves more or even attempting to love our neighbors more purely, but by intentionally loving Jesus more and more. So my second question for you this afternoon, I hope you're making notes that you can take some time to reflect on this. How much do you truly love Jesus? It's a sobering question because the, off, the answer is often maybe a little higher, a little greater than how we then subsequently live out. What we project, what we communicate, what we say often presents a bit of a gap between how we then subsequently live out that walk with Christ. Here's the thing, we begin to love God when we know, not simply believe, that God loves you. When the thing about yourself is that you most deeply know is that you are deeply loved by God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And I know that it's difficult because we often think that there's stuff that we've done, there's thoughts that we've had, there's sins that we've committed, there's places we've been to that can somehow separate us from the love of God. And yet nothing can separate you from the love of God. When you know that you're deeply loved by God, you have taken that first intentional step in your heart towards knowing the Father's heart. In tandem of this, you've also taken a step in genuinely loving others. For this to be successful, knowing God's love, we must think of God, not simply of God. What does that look like? We must learn to be attentive to his presence in our lives. You know, God is omnipotent and omnipresent, which means he's everywhere all the time. And yet so often in our Christian journey, if you're anything like me on occasions, you'll feel that God is distant. You'll feel that God is somehow not connecting with you or you're struggling to connect with God. And yet he's actually everywhere all the time. He sees you're going in. He sees you're coming out. He knows the number of hairs on your head. Amen? Like he is alive. He is at work in your life. We need to get in partnership with what he is doing. And we do that by becoming more attentive. The more attentive you are, the more detail you'll find in your journey, in your walk with him. But not only that, the more you will find yourself loving him. We must learn to spend time being still before him and focus on him. No need to strive to work to get his attention. He loves you. We just have to accept that love. So my third question for you this afternoon is what is the biggest blockage that is separating you from experiencing the fullness of the Father's love? Unforgiveness, 
a poor self-image, a bad attitude to family or friends, you don't feel that you measure up to the person next to you, you don't know the scriptures as well as the person next to you, there will be something or someone that is blocking that. We must also learn to listen to God. You know, often I do a lot of counseling, pastoral care, these sort of types of things. More often than not, people just listen to respond. They don't listen to actually engage with what you're saying. For us, we need to listen to what God is actually saying to us. And we need to listen to everything. So there's no filter with God. Hopefully you filter everything I'm saying and you, you, you take it and you line it up against the word of God. But in your listening to God, you must listen to everything that God tells you. Not just go, well, I don't like that. You want, oh, you want me to phone up my boss and apologize for this? No, no, I'm not going to do that. No, no, no. He wants you to listen to everything that he's saying. Because in understanding that, you will get the fullness of the picture of the relationship that you can enjoy with Christ. These disciplines provide the framework of developing your love relationship with God. Listen, God does not want you to become more loving you will fail. He wants us to fully absorb his love so that it subsequently flows out of us. That's how we make a difference. Therefore, you will perpetually and continually return to being at the feet of Jesus, absorbing yourself in the Father's love. As you experience his love, it will start to permeate out of your life. Let's be clear. You must allow your focus to be on him and his love for you, not you and your love for him things will begin to change. I guarantee you that your heart will start to melt and become warm to the things of the kingdom. You will embrace a new and deeper and richer sense of the Father's love. The overflow of that is that you will see others through God's eyes of love. Only love is capable of genuine transformation. So my fourth question, and I really want everyone to write this down and don't shout anything out. I want you to write down your favorite love song. Please, your favorite love song. You heard me, for those that said sorry over here. It's a serious question. It's a serious question. You th if you think about 90 plus percent, and there's probably two or three different generations here, so some of the older people help me out. If you think of 90 plus percent of the songs that are produced these days, it's about love. Love in some format, love in some variation, love to some degree. And at different points in your life, you will find yourself drawn to a certain artist or a certain band or a certain song. And you, you could pro you're probably thinking of some of the songs that you like and you listen to. There's going to be words, there's going to be lyrics, there's going to be images presented in that song that is meeting a need in your life, meeting a need for love. Willpower alone is horribly inadequate. We must return to the feet of the person who has captured our hearts each and every time. The root of Christian love is not the will to love, but the faith to believe that one is deeply loved by God. And it's hard. It's really, really hard, isn't it? Because we base it so much on our broken relationships. We can base it on whether our mother or father was present and whether they demonstrated love towards us. We can look at almost any different area of our lives and decide how much God does or doesn't love us. And therefore, if we decide that he doesn't, you will start to look for love in all the wrong places. And there's no doubt people in this room a bit like me that have done that. It didn't work out for you. Why? Because the person who truly loves you, the person who loves you just the way you are, 
is Christ. The only person is Christ. Number three, it bleeds over in our love for others. One of my favorite verses, Romans 12, verse 10. Be devoted to one another. So the implication straight away here is that is not your standard default position. Because love, by its very nature, gives. People will often communicate that love is conditional. I will love you if you do this. I will love you in spite of you doing that, or you saying this, or saying that. But true love is unconditional. You accept the person just the way they are, not for who they are now, but for who the sake they may become in the future. Romans 12.10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. Accepting we are loved and accepted by Christ and are his children will spill over into your relationships with others. Jesus loved with his actions. He humbled himself, came to earth, lived among us, suffered pain and torture on the cross. His actions demonstrate his love in many ways that words cannot begin to explain for us. Generally, we view love as a feeling, don't we? Anyone view love as a feeling? Oh, I feel I love you, or I feel I love chocolate, or I feel I love football, or I feel I love this. Feelings are going to misguide you. Sorry, did that cut for a few people? No? Good. Feelings are going to misguide you. Feelings are going to let you down. Emotions point to signals in your heart. They don't define your reality. Your reality is Christ loves you. That's your reality. That's your starting point. That is your end point. Ask yourselves this. It's Christmas time in like 10 days, right? It's Christmas Day. Now, fortunately, I don't have this in my immediate family. It might happen in my extended family, but not in my immediate family. Is there somebody in your family where you're like, oh, man, I don't want to sit next to them at Christmas lunch? You know, you're just like trying to organize the plates so that you can sit on this side. You know, if you've got like some distant relative that you don't want to hang out with or you don't know too well, what we're doing in that moment is we're saying, I don't really love you because you've got a bad attitude or because you're always going to talk about Brexit or you're always going to do this or you're always going to do that. And so you just kind of like move yourself down to the end of the table, right? That's not love. That's not love. You're saying that person's political persuasion or that person's attitude supersedes God's ability for you to love that person. Doesn't work. I hope that cough is not because you're wanting me to move on. <laughs> Jesus wants us to love unconditionally, to demonstrate love through action even when you don't feel like it. I'm sure parents can relate to that, right? When your kid has like, trash the kitchen for the third week in a row, you don't feel like loving them in that moment, but you know you've got to clean up the mess, you've got to feed them, you've got to put them to bed. Even though you don't feel like it, you still demonstrate that love. Number four, really important for us in the day and age we live in, be yourself in Christ. Really important. David praised God for the wonder of his birth. In Psalm 139, verse 14, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God wants you to be a leader of yourself. Your goal here is not to impress man in your relationship with God. Your goal is to love God. Your goal is to love Christ. Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2, since you are God's dear children, you must try to be like him. Your life must be controlled by love, just as Christ loved us and gave his life for us. You cannot be true to yourself and your self-desires 
until you derive that your identity, your purpose, and your destiny comes from God. Whatever your struggles are, in the presence of God, they are small. We do not have to prove ourselves to anyone. You don't need a title, you don't need a crowd, and you don't need a platform to be who God has called you to be. So my fifth question for you this afternoon is, who are you in God? Who has God called you to be today? What has he called you to achieve today? Who has he called you to connect with today? You also don't have to prove to anyone that you have something to offer. You know, a lot of us start from the default position that you've got nothing to offer. The fact that you're alive, the fact that you're breathing, demonstrates that you've got something to offer. You are inherently unique. There is nobody like you. There might be doppelgangers or doppelgangers or however you pronounce them, right? But there's only one you. You're created unique. You're created perfect. You're created in His image. That is your starting point. Our identity primarily comes from who God says you are. Yes, our background, where we grow up, what countries we come from, what languages we speak, our cultural context, all very important. But our primary identity is who we are, who God says that we are. And it is also about who we become. Because the real you is the one that Jesus called you to be. But we often will live with the mask. We will live with the pretension. And just in the spirit of vulnerability, I did that for a long time. I tried to be something or someone that I ultimately wasn't. And after a while, it gets really hard work to keep the facade up. Because there was a, an insecurity or a vulnerability attached to, well, people might not like me if I am the real Scott. And so let me be Scott plus X, Y, Z. But actually, people just want to know you. Because real people need real love, which means you need to be authentic. Because God has put stuff and things and gifts and talents and abilities inside you that will release faith, hope, joy in other people's lives. But that's going to get pushed to the margins of your life if you're attempting to live in a way where God isn't being put on display, where you're trying to be something or someone that you're not. Whether it's on social media, whether it's in your workplace, in whatever environment, be yourself. When we experience challenges and difficulties, we need to also shift and change our focus. We must go upwards and not inwards. Never look at how God has apparently let you down or rejected you, but focus on praising Him each and every time. That's being your true self in Christ. Why? Because you are simply too loved by Him for Him to leave you where you are. The world is looking for people who are going to be true to their calling to make a difference. Be yourself, that forgiven, loved, adopted, cherished son or daughter of the Most High God. That's the goal, friends, because we've been reconciled. And for some of us this afternoon, we struggle with that reconciliation because we always think that there's works attached to it. There's no works attached to it. Be yourself, live in joy, experience God's love each and every moment. And let God's faithfulness continue to pour into each and every part of your life. Because as you do that, you will understand why He came to us. He came for relationship. He came because He wants to have a daily, intimate, personal, ongoing, healthy relationship with each and every person in this room. Not a biannual one, not one at Christmas and New Year, not when things are going well, but often 
We'll put up guards, we'll put up parameters, we'll put up structures that will keep him out or we will filter him in or out of our situations because we are scared of having that full intimate relationship with him because we're scared that he may not accept us for who we really are and yet he knows our needs, he knows our thoughts, he knows everything about us, he knows us better than we will ever know ourselves and that's very, very humbling for us in our journey with Christ. So here's the conclusion for us this afternoon. The measurement of God's love for you is the cross of Calvary. It's what he did on the cross. Our love for God is measured in our love for others. You are never more like God when you are helping the person next to you through a marriage breakup, through a child that was lost, through someone who lost their job, through someone who's struggling emotionally or spiritually or mentally. Because you're either going to be motivated and driven by your past or the glorious hope and future that you have in Christ. But it can never be both. It can never be both. Part of the reason that Jesus wants relationship with us is because he does not want our past to hold our future hostage. Amen? Jeremiah 29, 11, you know the verse that we all take out of context all the time, right? But we have that bright hope. We have that bright future in Christ. And he wants to give us that, but we need to be in relationship with him. We need to understand why he came for relationship with us. And so my, my thoughts for you as I, as I bring it to a close this afternoon is just looking at someone that never had relationship with God. You're looking at someone who, when I first became a Christian, I thought it was all works-based. I thought I had to work and strive to get the Father's love. I couldn't get my head in my rational, logical thinking around the fact that somebody just loves me. And it's not just anyone, is it? It's not just the person next to you. This is the creator of heaven and earth saying, I love you. I want relationship with you. So my, my prayer this afternoon is that you will start to understand who you are in him. You will start to understand why he came. That he's not pie in the sky. He's not someone that you spend time with at Christmas or you pray to after you've exhausted every other avenue that you can explore in trying to reconcile a problem or a situation. He's your first port of call. He's the person you want daily relationship with. He's the person you go to first. But usually he's the first, last person that we go to. God wants the first part of our life. God wants every part of our life. He's a jealous God, not just weekend visits. He wants to be in relationship with you 24-7, 365. And the best thing about it is he will always want more relationship with you than you will ever want with him. On your best day. You know those ones where you're ready to hit the ground, you've prayed up, you, you think you're going to lead 20 people to Christ before you even get to Starbucks, and then you're going to go to the cemeteries and raise the dead. No, even on those days, he loves you more than you're ever going to love him. Even on those days, he wants relationship more with you than you will ever want with him. And for some of us, we just cannot get our head around the fact that you're just loved. Because life has buffeted you. Challenges have happened. Relationships have, that have diminished and distorted your desire to be loved. And so we withdraw. Or we set the bar so high that God seemingly can't even achieve your standard. For some of us here, we just need to get back to the place and actually just understand that you're loved that he loves you. And you know what? He loves you just the way you are. 
irrespective of your challenges. You might have an addiction in this place. You might be going through challenges. You might think your sin is so bad that it, the, the smell of your sin re has reached God's nostrils and He hates you. Wrong. He loves you. He's accepted you. He affords His love to you even before you knew Him. Or even someone like myself that lived in direct rebellion to God, that worked very hard not to receive His love. He still loved me. And I, you, you will find as you grow in your journey, as your relationship with Jesus emerges and strengthens, you will look back on your life and you will see moments, days, situations where it was His love that stepped into a situation. It was His love that broke in on a scenario. It was His love that protected you in given situations. And it's in those moments you start to understand just about the love of God in your life.